Good morning and welcome to North Star Community. This is Scott. I am the associate pastor. And this is Teresa. I'm the co-pastor. Teresa, why don't you tell us a little bit about that chair you're sitting in? Well, it's new. It's in the shape of a triangle. <laughs> and it was a gift to us. It was from a gift. Ball Office Products. Ball Office Products uh, donated a bunch of stuff to uh, North Star last week, including some much-needed filing cabinets, but also some very nice new lobby chairs. And Teresa spent all Saturday setting up the lobby in a totally new way. So if you, if you weren't here this past weekend, uh, when you come in, the lobby will still look familiar, but it will be a, a you know, it'll also look cozier and homier. And we got a lot of really, really good feedback about the way the place looks and feels. And um, so we'd encourage you to come check it out. We'd also encourage you, if you have uh, furniture needs or whatever in the Richmond area, to check out Ball Office Products because they were uh, really helpful to us. And we also ordered our new uh, worship chairs, worship room chairs through them. So in about 12 weeks' time, uh, you will get to sit gloriously on new thrones. Yeah, and you and I are going to have to up our game because before no one ever fell asleep because they were so busy trying to stay comfortable. Yeah. I think we're going to need to use fireworks and PowerPoints and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, we're going to have to go back to showing video clips to engage you know, the young, distractible minds. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll happen. But until that happens, we can still podcast about our plain and simple little messages uh, from weekends past. Yeah, so I am going to start us with a story. So roughly one or two weeks into marriage. Well, let's say three weeks into marriage because we spent the first week and a half on vacation. Yeah, and if you're fighting on your honeymoon, there's something wrong with the marriage. Yeah, that did not happen. Good. Um, But we came back. We had um, a very typical weekend for us, which is uh, I go into work about midday on Saturday, and I delivered the message that Saturday night and got up early on Sunday morning and came in and made coffee and uh, gave the message again. And then we went home to our really tiny and dank and we didn't know it yet, but moldy apartment. And I ended up falling asleep on the couch uh, watching golf. Hmm. I bet that went over like a lead balloon. Now, what I woke up to was the sound of lots of banging pots and deep sighs and just a ruckus, to use uh, my nephew's new favorite word. I woke up to a ruckus. You caused a ruckus. I don't know if I caused a ruckus, but there definitely was a ruckus. Okay. Why would you guess that there was a ruckus? Because you are newly married with a wife who no doubt had big dreams for a wonderful romantic weekend, and you fell asleep watching golf. Close. Okay. She didn't have big dreams of a romantic weekend. Okay. She grew up in a house where the weekend was defined by getting your chores done. What? Who does that? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Who does chores? Yeah, well, obviously, <laughs> our family did not do uh, chores ever, um, let alone on a weekend. That's true. Um, we were a choreless family. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we had them, but uh, it was a loosey goosey situation. Um, that we weren't, we were. It was not a tight ship. That, that you know we what? This is a little off point, but let me just say that we did chores like some people go to church. Right before Christmas and right before Easter. <laughs> yeah, it was sporadic. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about in premarital counseling was the fact that everybody enters marriage with their own sense of what's normal, which has been established by their family of origin. Right. So for me, Sundays were about resting and watching sports on TV, which is to this day, pretty much what you guys do, which is maybe not necessarily, you like the resting part. You don't necessarily care about the sports part unless it's tennis. Correct. but uh, Or unless there's some kind of heavy drama going on. Yeah. So yeah. you like watching LeBron James because there's always drama there. Yeah. Anything dealing with the University of Virginia and always tennis, that'll get right. me. Right. UVA too. Yeah. So um, I, and I'm... Well, we don't need to go into this, but basically I'm a low energy person. And if I give two messages on a given weekend, I have very little left in the tank after that. And Well, uh, I'm a high energy person. And if I do two messages on the weekend, I have very little left in the tank. So that just goes to show Sunday you, naps. <laughs> yeah, that just goes to show you how tiring it can be. Now, yeah. I don't have the luxury of a Sunday nap anymore now that we have a one-year-old. But in those days, it was a victimless crime. Right. Or so I thought. Right. So I think what I'm getting at here is that we both had unspoken expectations for what Sunday was. Right. And they were not yet communicated because we had not yet had conflict that would necessitate communication about that kind of thing. Right. Um, and this points out, I think, how even, even when your expectations are about such small things as how to spend an afternoon, um, when those expectations are unspoken, um, there can be problems that result. Yes, particularly because so often we don't do that extra step of self-analysis to say, um, do I even have the right to have expectations in this situation? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I see it a lot um, in families where maybe moms and dads, now I don't know how you get here because I never exactly had this experience. Um but maybe in families where you had children that were, well, I don't know. I don't know how you get here. I won't even speculate. But I'll say this, that I notice a real challenge in uh, transitioning for parents when their kids move into the adult age, and then they expect their kids to create the same life they were brought up in. Yep. Because I think sometimes they feel really judged if a kid changes the dance on them, right? Right. Like, you know, I raised you to be a good fill-in-the-blank political person with this perspective. Why Why do you have such a different perspective? And maybe take that a little personally, maybe feel a little threatened by that. Now, 
Or um, I raised you to go to church. I raised you to go to church is a big one. Or I raised you to go to church in a particular kind of church, look in a particular kind of way. I raised you to be a good Baptist. Yeah. Um, so uh, I raised you to not work and not put your kids in daycare. Or I told you to get a career of your own. You know, I mean, it doesn't even matter what the expectation is. Um, so yeah, there's like two parts of it. There's the you're not doing what I said, and there's the you're not living the life that I want you to live. Right. Or, and, and yeah, so yeah, those are great examples uh, of unspoken expectations. That's but, specific to the parent-child relationship, of course. Yeah, but also really unreasonable and unfair expectations, right? Yeah. Um, now, look, we forget to speak of our expectations. We go through our whole marriage figuring out that we had them and didn't even know we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, um, really our message last weekend was about not confused expectations but inappropriate ones right. to, just to take it a little bit of a step further. Yeah, which is a stone's throw, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much a cough button costs. I don't know. You know we how need on radio one. they have they have the cough button, the quick mute. You can just hit it and mute the microphone. Whereas I have to contort my body in strange ways. I'm gonna have, not going to sleep all tonight because I just contorted my back to cough. Poor baby. Yeah. Um, so we've got we've got unspoken expectations, which which can cause problems. Now, uh, like you just said, the next step away from that is unfair, unreasonable expectations, which, so if, if you just didn't voice a totally reasonable expectations and that can cause problems, imagine the level of problem that can result from an, uh, an unreasonable expectation. So give us an example of an unreasonable exp- uh, expectation. Tell us why it's unreasonable. And, um, yeah, we'll go from there. I think a lot of us have unreasonable expectations about particular relationships giving us a certain degree of either uh, feeling or security or sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. So we want our bosses to promote us and affirm us all the time. We want our employees to... Yep, we definitely want that. <laughs> well, forget about it. Um, we want our employees to think we're the best boss ever. We want our children to fulfill think about, our dreams. Think about Michael Scott from The Office. Yeah. Who kind of lived his yeah. whole life trying to get uh, the approval of his em- employees to think he's the best and funniest boss ever. Yeah. Um, you know, we want, we want our children to validate for us that we've been good parents. We want our spouses to make us feel happy. You know, the, the list is endless. And I think that um, the reason those things are, in my mind, unreasonable or unhealthy is because the locus of control, it lies outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And there are many things 
where the locus of control is actually inside us, and we're not taking responsibility for that. Right. So let's use, since you're my mother and I'm your son, Mm -hmm. let's use the example of a parent, you in this case, Mm -hmm. wanting validation from a child, me. Okay. Have we got a good example of that? Well, I'm saying, I mean, we can do it in generalities, but since we are mod- since that's the relationship that's here, let's use that one as an example. Why would it be unreasonable for you to want validation as a mother from me? Well, I think it's unreasonable in that it's not um, it's not really ultimately effective in terms of raising one sense of self worth, right? Because what if you're a big doofus? And you just, you know... Well, uh, no, now, see, let's, let's be specific so that okay. we don't get confused. Who are you talking about in that, in that scenario? All right, so let's... Who's, su- who's self-worth? So when we want someone else to validate us, which, I mean, I don't think that's... I think validating people is a wonderful thing. Expecting people to always validate us is a form of unhealthy narcissism, Right. So, so you're talk- the validation you're talking about, to be clear, is the parent. Yes. If, if I walk around all the time wanting my children to make me happy or make me feel better, that's inappropriate. Um, that's not so tell your us, job so tell us to make why. me feel better. Tell, tell us why, because I would bet that a lot of parents would be very confused to hear what you're saying. Well, um. It's a form of dependence on a child who by nature is your dependent and it bears it it's it bear it it puts too much weight on the back of the child and it sort of flips the relationship, right? It makes the parent the needy one and the child the one that's responsible for making the parent feel better. Right. And that's completely inappropriate. Now, that doesn't mean that your children are supposed to take you for granted, to never, ever, ever express any appreciation, you know, all that stuff. That's the whole opposite end of the spectrum. But that's not what we're talking about in this message. In this message, what we're talking about is when we are asking other people to do inappropriate heavy lifting in terms of our own sense of value and self-worth. Let me give you a, a little bit of a practical example. Okay. Years ago, we joined a gym. Um, So this was, man, we've been members of this gym now for over 30 years. Gosh, that's, I should be more buff. I'll just put it that way. But anyway, we joined this gym over 30 years ago, and your dad immediately started using it, Mm -hmm. like regularly, like five days a week. He found a way to get to the gym. And I never found a way to get to the gym. Now, um, you were you were little. Your sister was little. Um, and I had all sorts of perceived um, reasons why I couldn't get to the gym. But the gym had child care, right? Um, and, and it wasn't particularly well supervised, so the two of you loved it. You could go wild there. Um, I wasn't so crazy about that part of it. But the point being, I started 
banging pots and pans and sighing heavily and rolling my eyes and being a little snarky with your dad. And finally, he said, I've had enough of this. What is going on with you? And I said, well, you get to go to the gym all the time, and I never get to go to the gym. You're selfish. (laughs) And he said, no, I've set a priority. And you could set the same priority, and all you would have to do is ask, and I would keep the kids myself. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, just ask. This is on you, Teresa. You you haven't asked. You haven't done your work to make this happen. And I'm willing to help you make it happen because going to the gym is awesome. We could even go to the gym as a couple and put the kids in the kitty corral, which is what they called it at the time. Yep. And they would survive that. Meredith would watch out for Scott. Nobody's going to be harmed in the action. And we could go to the gym together. It would be cool. And that was an example of me being overly dependent and overly passive and having beliefs about what it meant to be a good mother that just weren't grounded in reality. Mm -hmm. And one of the best things I ever did as a mother is start going to the gym on a regular basis. So let's hit the pause button because I don't want to, I don't want to get, um, I don't want people to get lost in the details of the story, which is that you, um, so you're talking about, you're, you're talking about, I think I'm struggling a little bit because we're talking about unrealistic or unfair expectations. So tell me how that would be an example of that. So I was being under responsible for owning my own choices and time management And instead of looking at that and saying, what's mine to do? I was like asking your dad to take too much responsibility and mind read what I needed and then make it happen for me. Right. So the unrealistic part of it is um, expecting somebody else to uh, anticipate not, not needs, but desires. Oh, and yeah. then not yeah. just to anticipate them, but then to act on them and then to create the environment in which those desires can be met. Yeah. So not only was it unreasonable, it was unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It was being overly dependent on your dad, metaphorically speaking, for my not only my health, but my happiness. Right. You know, you're supposed to make it possible that I can be happy. Well, no, the only person that is responsible for me being happy is me. And um, and part of the beauty of the marriage is working together very collaboratively to make sure that both parties are reasonably happy. Um, nobody's going to get everything they want, right? But we can both get absolutely what we need as we work together as a team. So I'm not saying you have to also go to the other end of the extreme, which is, I don't need nobody. I'm going to take care of myself. It's not that, but it is a form of interdependence where all the needs and wants are getting thrown on the table, and there's fair and open discussion about who's getting the priority when. And um, there was no factual evidence that your dad was selfish. Right. Um For example, one of the things that I started doing also at about that same time was taking classes at a place. I did this for years, um, every single Monday night, and we never had breaks. I mean, 
if Christmas Day fell on a Monday, we canceled. Or if New Year's Day fell on a Monday, we canceled. That's it. And Dad, as a consultant who traveled for all those years, rearranged his work schedule so that I could show up as a student and then ultimately as faculty member in that Monday night group. Right, right. So before we get... um before we go too far down uh, a rabbit trail, let's back up for a minute because we've we've now unpacked, I think, in in a good amount of detail, an example of how unfair expectations can go wrong. So let's let's back up to the thirty thousand foot level and why why do you think it's important to talk about expectations and the role that they play in relationships? Because I don't think expectations are the problem. So that's why I think we need to talk about them. I think they're the symptom. Mm -hmm. And I think what the problem is, is confusing what we're responsible for and what we're not responsible for. And so um, we've got a little bit of a document that um, if you can plop it up on the uh, website, that would be awesome. That's a little picture that looks sort of like a bullseye target. And um, in the center is what I'm responsible for. And then there's a, 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 a halo around that circle that says what I'm not responsible for. So let me give you the rundown verbally. I am responsible for my actions, my feelings, my opinions, the consequences of my actions, my ideas, and my thoughts, and my beliefs, and my core values. What I am not responsible for are your opinions of me, your ideas, the consequences of your actions, your thoughts, your feelings, or your words, um, your core values, or your beliefs. Now, if I know that, and I can keep that straight in my brain, then here's what happens. You grow up as my son and uh, diverge from my political persuasion. I find that interesting and I want to learn more about your perspective. Uh, you stop being a uh, 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 dyed-in-the-wool Southern Baptist, which is how you were raised, and instead decide to become... Um, Oh, something else. Whatever. Um, Buddhist. Um, I am now curious and interested in what you've learned, but it... it because what in this hypothetical scenario, my, uh, my, my changing beliefs, my changing perspective, they're not actually a threat to who you were as a parent, and if we understand responsibility, right. then we understand that. Right. Or at least they're not a threat because I think at the most practical level, they're not something you can control and they're not yours to control. Right. And I think that's the part where a lot of people go wrong is it's this idea that if I raise my child right, then they'll think and perceive and process the same way I do. That's not the goal of parenting. The goal of parenting is to raise somebody 
who can sustain their own lives. Right. Right. And so that, you know, somebody who can hold a job and pay their bills. Right. And hopefully uh, contribute in a positive way to society, however they, that is sort of the goal of parenting. Now we've gotten that, uh, sometimes we get that a bit wrong when we get confused about responsibility and we want to, we, we, we begin thinking that parenting is about raising a clone right. rather than raising some independent person. You know, to back up a little bit, to take this maybe uh, a real, uh, make a real big challenging leap here for parents, I don't even think it should be necessarily my goal for you to be a contributing member of society who holds a job and lives independently. I think it should be a desire and that my goal is to be the kind of parent that provides you the environment where you're most likely to be able to do those things. Because who you become, ultimately you own, not me. But I have responsibility for creating an environment. I mean, you didn't ask to be born. So I have a responsibility to create an environment that to the best of my ability creates a responsible human being. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, so I, we can get lost getting too specific in what we, you know, that's, that's uh, unreasonable parental expectations on a child to expect them to grow up, have their own life experience, have their own whatevers, and then still end up the same as their parents. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just the world is a different place than the one you grew up in. Yeah. I'm not the same as you. Right. But that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means my life is different. And it, it doesn't, doesn't mean wrong, that doesn't there's, mean there's any, any, anything wrong with you. Yes. But what what I, yeah, and specifically what I wanted to say is it doesn't mean that, that you parented me wrong just because I ended up different. It, right. It's just a way of saying there are environmental factors to why people become who they are. Yeah. And um not to make this too much about parenting. Right. But I mean you, use your good responsible selves podcast listeners and make application in other areas, but here's where I think when you get this point, here's what I think you might feel. I think you might feel like you just lost 30 pounds of weight that's been sitting on your shoulders. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden you have responsibilities that really are yours that you can focus on. So let's just review what those are. You can take responsibility for what you say, what you do, what you think, what you believe, which core values drive your actions. Uh, you can take responsibility for the consequences of your own actions you can take responsibility for your own ideas and your own opinions. That's that's all you got, babe. That's all you got to do. Let's um, let's take let's do a, another quick example just so that people get the picture of how this applies elsewhere. Because I fear we've spent so much time talking about parenting that the non-parents may which may we didn't be, even talk about over the weekend. Yeah, here's an example of how we can get this wrong, uh, both positively and negatively. So. 
as Americans, we spend a lot of time at work. Mm-hmm. And so um, because we spend so much time at work, we can get sort of a false sense of identity based on who we are as employees, right? And so that means that we may put unrealistic or unfair expectations on an employer or on a boss. Right. And we can expect our boss to validate our personhood. Right. Now, um, you may have a really inattentive boss. You may be a great employee who's doing great work and you have a dunce of a boss who got Peter principled into the position that, that they're in, which is to say that they advanced farther than they should have in the company. Um, and isn't particularly attentive and isn't a per- and is not a, a, a healthy or well person, has a, a lot going on in their personal lives, and they don't recognize what a strong employee you are. Right. Well, you may question your own sense of self and your own identity and your own purpose because you're not getting validation from your boss. Now, in reality, you have a dunce of a boss. Right. But also in reality, that's not where you should be looking for validation in the first place. Exactly. And so that's why, let's say you didn't have a dunce of a boss. Let's say you had a great boss. And the boss recognized what a great employee you were and gave you attaboys or girls or whatevers every single day. And you felt absolutely great about yourself because you did a great job managing IT security systems. Right. Or whatever. Now, that may give you a false sense of security in your identity. Right. But it's because you may be doing a great job there, but you may not be doing a great job at home because it's still an unrealistic expectation, even if it's met. Right. And it's and it's not the appropriate place to be looking for validation. Fantastic point, because your boss who gives you attaboys 14 times a day could still be a dunce of a boss. Right. (laughs) So. You know, well, it, and it wouldn't even matter, yeah. good or bad. Right. It's not the place to be looking for your sense of self, right? right? And and if that if you're so dependent on that, then people could manipulate you with that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yes, you're, you're, I don't you're think you're living that's in the, the rat <laughs> box of hitting the thing, trying to get out of boys just for a little pebble. That's Pedal, your uh, pellet of food. That's your anxious, skeptical self coming into play there. The primary problem is not whether or not people can manipulate you, but whether or not you're going to end up with a fulfilling life over the long haul. I'm just right? saying a little healthy skepticism about somebody who's always flattering you is not the worst thing you could do. It's not. It's not. Okay. But that's totally off the subject. We'll talk yeah. about paranoia. Next week's podcast, friends, we'll talk about paranoia and undue suspicions. <laughs> Both of us are having a hard time staying focused now, so it's probably time to wrap up. But in some, could you give us a summary of uh, like a three-sentence summary of what you would hope people would, ta- would have taken away from the weekend message and then this conversation? Um, yes, and I how can. And, and tie it into, maybe if you could tie it into our faith. Okay. So uh, I didn't use this scripture then, but I could have. There's this wonderful little chapter, uh, a series of verses in the New Testament. I want to say Galatians chapter 6. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, it's a little series of verses. We'll look it up uh, and find it for you. But I'm thinking there's only five chapters I in think Galatians. that's right. So, oh, anyway, here, let me tell you the verses. I got the verses. I don't have the address. It's like a series of verses where it says, 
uh, be careful to carry your own load. Um, and goes on to talk about sharing the burden. And that series of verses, it's saying, be responsible for what you're responsible to carry, but also know that some burdens are too big for one person to carry. And that's the place where there it are six chapters. Oh, I'm sorry. Are there six chapters in Galatians? Yep. Is it uh, Galatians 1 through 4, maybe? In chapter six, yeah, I cut you off at the end there. Say that, say that piece again, because I apologize, well, listeners. Some, I was very rude. Somewhere in the Bible, there's this conversation about carry your own load, um, but then rely, you know, try, uh, and and then help carry each other's burdens. And so there is this distinction about that. But um, what I would say in terms of summarizing the summarizing the message is this. Your frustrated expectations can be a great window into self-reflection where you can begin to evaluate whether or not you are taking too little responsibility for yourself and too much responsibility for others. Boom, the end. And this can be a problem for us in our faith, I think, because... Uh, well, what do you what do you think the problem is from a faith standpoint? Well, I think it causes all sorts of unloving complications in relationships. So Be- I would I would almost say that, um, because we've because we've talked we spent all this time talking about relationships, right? right? So specifically as it applies to faith, I think it's a hotbed for spiritual overperformance and spiritual abuse in. In one of two directions, you can either overperform and end up getting burnt out uh, and feeling that because churches are going to like it when you overperform. Right. And so what's going to happen is you're going to end up with the spiritual abuse via um, having your whole life taken from you in in a sense. And the the opposite could be true as well, where, where you could completely run the other way. Right. Uh, completely withdraw, completely isolate, and not have anybody there to draw you back in. Right. I think a, 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 a lack of clarity over what's our responsibility can either lead us to be completely on the outside looking in or too much on the inside. Yeah. Both of which are not long-term strategies yeah. or neither of which is a long-term strategy. Yeah, and I think the I think the scriptures do a beautiful job of talking about relational interdependence as opposed to a hierarchical structure of neediness on one extreme or the other. So yeah, I think these are important things to look at and consider. Um, they are uh, a little bit of a window into our. Um, our wellness. And I think that's always a good thing. All right. Well, you keep checking your watch, so I'm going to let you out of here. Well, because, you know, I don't want to overperform at work, so I've got to get to the gym. Okay. Work on my biceps, triceps, quads, and glutes. Excellent. Uh, Holistic wellness right there. Um, So there's going to be music playing at some point. It's from Blue Dot Sessions, which can be found on the web at sessions.blue. We are North Star Community. You can find us on the web at northstarcommunity.com. We thank you for listening, and we will be back with you next week. Bye-bye.